Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey there, buddy. What are you doing? What's up there, brother? <laughs> I, got one thing, I got one thing to say. A word to your moms, a king to drop bombs. I got more runs than the Bible's got psalms. Yes. Oh, you everybody went to had, Bean Town, dude. Everybody had big old Mother's Day, big old Mom Day, Mom's Day, Mom's Day, yo. Ah. So. Oh I yeah. Like. So uh, yeah, we had the big reveal. Uh, the the kids did great. Uh, we Saturday, we got the flowers. Ooh. Okay. Well, and then at first I was like, uh, my son picked them out and they, you know, they made the bouquet out of it. Um, but, uh, by the way, we're same as the other boys. This is the show, people. We just get right into it. Um, <laughs> what, what Jim's referring to is like, we were going to reveal what we're going to do for Mother's Day. And we're like, oh, we'll just recap on, on Monday. But yeah, he picked it out and he was super nervous about like, what do you think she's going to like him? I'm like, well, for most of the time in my, past just been like uh the thought that counts oh <laughs> but, dude, dude i know but but for him yeah. i was explaining he's like well roses like a red red rose is like means love and like you can get in the whole thing white ones red yellow ones whatever yeah. um he was very he was very like i, I just want to make it really colorful <laughs> i was like oh, okay <laughs> They smell too, you know that, right? <laughs> so some some flowers smell different than others. Like weird. Some, sometimes, son, you just gotta stop and smell the roses. And smell them literally. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, not just a saying, boy. So, so though we we did we decided to give her the flowers uh, Saturday night. Okay. Just because we didn't want them wilt at all, being in the garage. We no, but it's a, that's a nice little warm up. Yeah, it was it was a good warm up, and then it was get everybody together. They made her breakfast. Mm. Uh, she she went with other mothers to the beach, and they hung out and got drunk at the beach. I oh, dude, they got that drunk, is but they, cool. They drank. Oh, who drunk. cares? Let them get drunk. The but moms, yeah, they they had they had this whole drink too. They, they yep. Um, but yeah, and then when they came back and they made uh, Bertoli's like, oh, Italian dinner. Sure. Yeah. So Very cool. She liked the gifts that she got, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a great success. <laughs> it's a great success. Yes. No, that's awesome, man. That is very cool. That's that's you know, if, I'm I'm living in this weird I'm living in this weird reality where I'm like material world are you living in material uh, Oh, dude. Oh, only for this material girl. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's just I'm living in I'm living in momland. Living yeah. momland, dude. Yeah. I'm like the trifecta. Holy shnikes, man. And then on top of it, it's like my mother-in-law you know what I'm saying? I mean, we made this whole plan to go to Boston for Mother's Day. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't even really think about the idea of, like, mentioning it 
or I don't know why I should, but mentioning this to my mother-in-law. Now she is the elder. And when the monarch, yes. And when all of a sudden it's like, Hey, we're going to Boston for mother's day. I could tell that her ass was hurt. Cause she's just sitting there like, well, what about me? You know? And it's like, Oh gosh. Like, I don't know if we should have like thought about inviting her or I, I don't know. It was, but regardless, it's just, I'm dude. I've, Mother's Day weekend surrounded by moms, <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you, there's a, there's a struggle that happens there, man, because all of a sudden it's like, we're celebrating like my daughters. It's their first legit Mother's Day, you know, and Jimbo, it's not your mom. No, I know, but, this okay, is the, then. but, but there's this expect, I know that there is this expectation, like everyone has their ideas. Everyone has their ideas of like, what they want to do with their mother's day. You know what I'm saying? The mothers or the, the kids, the mothers. That's what I'm saying. But the kids are mothers. Ah. No, I know. I, yeah, I get it. It was a pickle. And that's the thing is that now all of a sudden you're like, okay. So like at this, in, in the same breath that I sort of look at Jen's mom and I'm sort of like, well, you know, Cheryl, like, the kids, it's their first Mother's Day, and they really want to go to Boston. And, you know, sorry if we don't, you know, like, at the same time, in the next breath, I'm looking at Jennifer and realizing that the girls are sort of like, it's our first Mother's Day, and sorry if we don't want to, you know, you get my meaning here. You can't make everyone happy. You can't. It's impossible. And especially when it's like, you know what? Always. Exactly. But if you try sometimes, yeah, you just get what you need. You get what you need, and and I'll tell you, it was, it was very, uh, God, Boston, man. You know what I feel? You know what's gonna happen? Hmm. Mexican train dominoes. They're gonna come over and destroy y'all. Oh, probably. Probably pure hatred. I mean, they went and spent, I mean, they did spend some time, like Cheryl got together with at least one of her sisters and her aunt, and they actually went and spent time with Cheryl's mom, you know, which is pretty wild, dude. We're living in a house where, like, we're living in this, like, this reality of having five generations of a family alive at the same time. Yeah. That's crazy, you know? I mean, dude, these little babies that are in the house, like, their great, great grandmother is still alive. That's insane. You know, um, but like I say, uh, you know, it's going to Boston, man. It's like, first of all, and everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got their favorite city. I get it. Okay. I effing love the city of Boston. It is such an incredible town for so many reasons. And I know that I'm super partial because I will tell you that like it's the first time I've really set foot in the city for about 11 years. I lived in Boston for five years and not just going to school, but then like actually working and sort of being, becoming sort of a local and, and sort of become, you know, with the intent of like sort of establishing roots and, and all of those things. Um, So like my brother and I, we have some serious stomping grounds around that city. And, you know, showing up there, you know, coming back there, 
this past weekend was just wow, dude. All of a sudden, it's like, I mean, you see the things that haven't changed at all. Then you see the things that really have changed. Um, and it's like, this is total case in point. Okay. Uh, everyone who's ever been to, anyone who's ever been to Chicago is familiar with the L. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the L, if you haven't been to Chicago, the L is the subway system. But a lot of this is above ground. It's like an elevated train, you know, train above the all city. Of it, all of it, all of it's above ground. Okay. So, <laughs> but my point is, is that, you know, you have some of the subway in Boston, which is called the T in Boston. And some of it's above ground, some of it's below ground, whatever. But there used to be an elevated highway that went right through the heart of the city of Boston. And it was called the Central Artery. And it was built back in built back in 1951, 51 to 59 is when it was built. Um, It was initially built with the intent of being able to handle 70,000 vehicles a day. Well, by 1990, that turned into 200,000 cars a day. And it really did inadvertently create this boundary between like the north side of the city and the rest of Boston. Um, When I was living there, the central artery was still there. They were in the process of burying it. I'll put it that way. That was this project called the big dig, which was that they were going to take this huge six lane wide interstate highway and they were going to put it underground under the city. And you can imagine this is a major metropolitan area. That, I mean, from an infrastructure standpoint, you can imagine the, the engineering feat that this was in order to make that a reality. Um, in my opinion, and I know they're like assholes. Everybody's got one. It looks better because you don't see it, but all the problems that were inherent with the central artery are still there because it's just that you put, this, you put the highway underground so you don't have to look at it, but it's not as if it improves traffic and you know all the rest of that stuff um that being said above ground what it did was create almost like a park space where there used to be this huge steel green monster you know they joke about it It was like the central artery was boston's other green monster um obviously the first one being fenway um but it was really interesting because on our last day yesterday as we're getting ready to leave to head home we're down by quincy market and I see this giant green steel girder that is still planted in the ground with a plaque on it. And it sort of talks about the history of the central artery and all this stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was just really wild to sit there and look at that because I can remember when this thing was still there. I mean, in my mind, it was uh, a huge scar across the face of the city, but it was part of the city. You know what I mean? And that's gone. It's, and it's just, it's like I say, it's wild how you could be away from a place for years and years and you come back, you see the things that are totally the same, like no time has passed. And then you see other things that it's just like, holy mackerel, dude, like the face of the place has completely changed. Um, I would love to, I will say this, I, will lo- I would love to go with my brother back to Boston for like a weekend and just walk around like walk around all the places that he and I, because we both went to school and lived in Boston for years, like go around all those places and sort of revisit them. You know, I think that would be a really, really cool experience. Uh, 
but yeah, no. So Mother's Day, it was good. Uh, it ended, uh, ended on a crazy note, man. You know, my daughter got engaged. I saw that. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jeremy, life had better slow the fuck down. (laughs) It is coming at me at warp speed. (laughs) It's coming at me at warp speed, JB. And I'm seriously like, I'm happy for them. You know, like Parker is a great kid and I will... I will put that right out there. He really, and I, he loves my daughter to death. Um, he works hard and he has, you know, every, every inch of him is, is yearning to be the best dad and the best husband that he can possibly be. And uh, I don't think that as a, you know, as a, a soon to be father-in-law, you can really expect much more of your son-in-law than that, you know? Yeah. Um, you live, that's the dream. It is. It really is. Um, but good grief, man. I'm just like, oh, it's <laughs> oh like, I, you know, I, all I'm sitting here is like, we've, I, they've, they've talked about getting married. They've talked about engagement and all this stuff. And the one thing that Jennifer and I have said to them time and time again, every time this topic comes up is please just, please just wait to plan a wedding until we get into a house. Please. You know, because traditionally as the bride's parents, yep. we're responsible for paying for this wedding. Weddings are effing expensive. And I, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to go freaking, you know, I'm not going to go Beverly Hills or some bullshit. You know, I mean, we know that's not going to happen. These people who are dropping tens of thousands of dollars on weddings. I mean, no, I'm sorry, dude. We are not those people. And there's just no way that that's going to happen. If we were in a house, it would be a hell of a lot easier for us to do something like that. Having some equity, you follow. Yeah. Um, But then you also want to be a host too. Well, and that coming people coming in, Right. Especially when they live in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing is that, you know, you want to be, I, I, I will tell you, like my brother Andy's wedding, when he got married to his wife, Galen, dude, their wedding was, and I mean, I haven't been to a ton of weddings, you know, but it was the most beautiful wedding uh, that, I like the wedding and the reception, the, like you just described what you just said, the hospitality offered by her parents was beyond anything that I ever would have expected. I mean, they got married and they got married on long Island and the reception was at this yacht club in long Island. And I mean, they rooms at the yacht club you know, like the whole wedding party, we had rooms. It was like, dude, everything was paid for. It was open bar. It was five course meal at the reception, you know, uh, breakfast the next day, brunch before you leave. I mean, it was insane. Um, and I can't even imagine how much money they must have paid for this. 
But again, I'm like, I look at that and it's like, God, I would love to be able to provide that for my daughters. But I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, just please just give me some time. <laughs> give, me some, give me some time to try to get straight, man, before like we got to go dropping, you know, freaking crazy coin, you know, we're still living. We're still living in, in bizarro world, man, you know. It's just, it's crazy. Well, but but it's, no. has, it's barely been over a year since you've, you know, retired. Oh, I know. That's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we are still in this state of, with, with, with going straight, going into retirement, and then everything that's happened in this past year, I'm like, dude, I am like, I, 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 you, you feel like you're, you know, you feel like you're walking on the moon or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's just so much uncertainty about everything, what's happening with the economy, the housing market, all these things. It's just like, good God, dude. You know, I just went to the grocery store, man. You know, (laughs) the price of some of the shit in that store is blowing my mind, blowing my mind. Well, dude, I was just, you know, my dad just been talking to me about the trials and tribulations of them uh renovating the the their house mm. god and i can only imagine just the cost of just you know the materials alone. yeah the materials yeah so Dude, and having three... arguments with the guy like hold on this is what the contract's for that's guaranteed right like, when i signed the contract then this it was is what... for this much yeah that's it period yes but Not my you, but you but now you find yourself up against a freaking now now all of a sudden you find yourself up against a three hundred percent increase in the cost of lump in the cost of lumber yeah. since the beginning of the year. Three hundred percent, you know. And what is that? Thank God, to- my my son got his eagle project done over the well, summer. Yeah, no summer. shit, dude. I thought about that when we were because mm-hmm. you and I had talked about sort of touched on this whole subject before. I thought about that. I was like, oh my lord, like, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how much that the project cost, but think about that now. So wait, okay, so lumber would have been about seven hundred dollars mm-hmm. in lumber. So then three hundred percent. Yeah. That yeah, that that's uh, over that, two thousand dollars. That shed is has gone up in value. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. And that's and that's the crazy thing, man, is it's like, you know, you think, oh, you know, it's materials, oh man. But this has a trickle down effect. Meanwhile, people are like going to places that throw away pallets, and they're like, "Just we'll take it." Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I'll take isn't that pallets. crazy? Like, yes, people are going and like taking pallets to like build extensions on their homes. You know, where the fuck else are you gonna get wood? Well, that's you know, my 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 dad in his retirement's been asking about like uh, cryptocurrency, and I just said. It's super spec speculative. Uh, it's very volatile. And at the end of the day, you know, I had a friend that was in Bitcoin in 2010. Yeah. And, and bought a, a slice of pizza and a Coke in Germany uh, for six Bitcoin. Well, yeah, Bitcoin's like fifty five thousand dollars now. So six of those would are worth now you know, 55,000. So he spent $300,000 on a slice of pizza and a Coke. Isn't that insane? 
<laughs> dude, it's it's absolutely crazy, so, dude. So and and you know, I was like, look, at the end of the day, uh, there's there's no value. Like, if you bought something, then you, you know, you have to realize like what you like you're buying into something that years later can just be worth. You know, do you want to go back and say I bought this car and it's worth, you know? But what six- makes Bitcoin so inherently valuable? The the amount. Uh, just what it's sold in right like so elon musk was on uh on saturday night live and before that the price of of the uh of dogecoin uh like went up right but money money's worth as much as it is um the backing of it right that's yeah you're getting okay you're getting warmer (laughs) so so but then during one of the skits elon musk said oh well no, it's it's a hustle. It's a hustle. Cryptocurrency is a hustle. And then, so think about this. It went up to seventy cents. Right now, it's like it went. It dropped all the way down to forty three cents. Right. So think mm. about this. Like to you and I, I mean nothing, right? But if you bought like a thousand dollars worth when it was point zero zero one, you know, cents. Yeah. And it went up to seventy cents, dude. You're a millionaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But but, but you, if you can't buy anything, so then what happens, right? So uh, yesterday was announced that uh, one of the projects that SpaceX is doing is being uh, purchased and paid for by Dogecoin. Okay. So here comes the rebound. Like, oh, well, now they're buying something off of this. Yeah, that it has material value. That's right. So, I don't know, man. Like, I think the I think the answer to the question is that why is Bitcoin worth so much? It's worth so much because there is a fixed amount of it. There isn't just this endless amount of Bitcoin out there, right? No, and that's true on every coin. You just can't. There, it's not inflation how we know inflation with the dollar. But like, but that's what I'm. You just that, can't reprint. That's digital currency, and that's the point. That's the point. Is that, and that is why, you know, that is why you end up with, you know, what we're experiencing right now, you know, what we're experiencing right now in terms of this economic uncertainty and this fluctuation in the economy is the res. And I know there's people out there that are probably these economist people who obviously know more than I do. I'm not, you know. you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, saying that I'm, you know, that I've got some kind of credential or something. But the reality is, is that our money isn't backed up by anything. It's based purely on the trust and faith of the consumer. That's it. So, I mean, if, if it was backed up by things, uh, dude, I'll put it to you this way. Okay. You think about. You think about the the uh, the New Deal after the Great Depression, right? I saw this this statistic the other day; it blew my mind, and it was that all of the money spent by the government over the course of however many years it was, like ten years or something, that the government was spending money to to shore up the New Deal after the Great Depression. If you if you fixed those numbers for for you know adjusted those numbers for inflation 
that total spending was like $826 billion in today's money. $826 billion. That sounds like a lot of money, but you have a government right now that is fishing this idea of spending $6 trillion. $6 trillion on a quote-unquote infrastructure and jobs plan. Like, that is an amount of money that you can't even comprehend. It's, it's like on uh, Austin Powers, like, one, one million. million. Yeah, everybody's like, trillion, <laughs> bajillion, Yeah, yeah. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's that like, was in the 60s. Well, and because the money isn't backed up by anything, it's like, well, fuck it. We can start talking about spending trillions of dollars. And what is it, it you know, what does it matter? You know, the problem is, is that because you've infused all of this, and I know there's people out there again, just, you know, cut me a break. I know there, you know, the, the reality is, is that you've infused all this money into the system. And now all of a sudden you've established this expectation. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you, you know, you ex- I hear, I hear, you know, small business leaders, man, people who own small business, small, small businesses around here. And they're straight up like, dude, I got people coming into my restaurant and they expect me to pay them $20 an hour to wash dishes. That's the expectation, you know, because now all of a sudden the minimum wage has become like, whoa, you know, I mean, it's pushing $15. And he's like, and okay, so fine. I pay you $20 to wash my dishes. What do I pay my cook? Because now my cook is like, well, fuck man, if you're paying the dishwasher 20 bucks, you should be paying me 25 21 and 10 cents. Uh, dude, it's crazy. I mean, these people are like, uh, it sure, it'd be great to be able to pay all these people all this money, but what does that do to my prices for my product? You know, I price myself out of being in existence because no one's going to come to my restaurant and pay that, that kind of money just to get pizza or a freaking bowl of pasta or something, you know? So, like, what do they do? Because now it's, hey, man. Here's all, and this is where all of a sudden you're seeing this uptick in the cost of all of these things. I mean, I go to the grocery store, I swear to God, I feel like every time I go in there, stuff's more expensive than it was before. I mean, when I'm looking at freaking beef, man, and beef is like $6 a pound, (laughs) like what? Okay. And and don't even, you know, people don't even start with all like, well, maybe you should stop eating beef. Dude, it's everything. It's absolutely everything. It's crazy. I digress. I digress. I digress. Man, Mom, I was gonna, Mom's I was gonna day. talk about yeah, Mom's Day. I was into, <laughs> there's there's another thing we were, we were gonna talk about, and I'm like, oh crap. Um, I gotta start taking notes. I'm gonna say this. I gotta start taking notes between our episodes. Does this happen to notes. you? We're gonna have homework. No, I'm saying, <laughs> does this happen? Does this happen to you? Like. I'll go throughout my day and I'll come across certain things. I'll be like, oh man, that'd be a great thing to talk about on the show. And then of course, by the time it comes to showtime, I'm just like, I can't remember anything that we, like I saw. And some of the stuff is actually pretty freaking interesting, you know? Um, But it just totally escapes me when it's time to freaking do this whole thing. I, I literally, I was thinking about something to bring up. And then we were we got in deep into that conversation, and I forgot about it. But that's eh, so what we do. Um, nah. Yeah, I just. Uh, so today is day one. I will say this: day one of the keto life for for me and Jennifer. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. If anybody out there listening to the program 
has any recipes or you know whatever and you want to offer just, it up it's just easier to do carnivore dude no i know we're basically doing that i had the, uh, yes paleo eat like a caveman dude yeah it's just We've way been, easier to do it that way well dude. fucking hey man i think about it i mean we're human beings how long have we been on this planet and how long have we been actually like planting shit and growing it like though, bread though the antithesis of carnivore is just vegan right sure yep and and there's a the, like the guy who's got breaking records with uh weightlifting right now cuz his thing is like well where do you get beef from right the bulls and the cows well, what do they eat they don't eat other meat they eat the plants so they get that big just by eating plants oh that and you know all the hormones that we stick in their bodies well no but not, <laughs> but i mean i don't watch any of those documentaries dude. organically those food documentaries i can't do it no you know what i'm talking about i eat what i eat i like what i like that's what i'm saying i don't want somebody to ruin it for me I don't want people to ruin it for me on my TV. Like, it's do that, you know what they put in the la la la? Meat is murder. Dude, my kids have talked about these. They've watched this trash. And they'll be like, have you, do you know, do you know that they attach stomach? And they just, they just feed them. I'm like, stop. <laughs> and then you take a big ass bite of a steak. And go, right, exactly. Mm, I'm like, so mm. good. It's that, it's that point on, 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 uh, on, uh, in, um, uh, the Matrix is like, I'm looking at this steak, and I know that it's not real. Right. Yeah, but but, but it I, tastes so it, good. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. tastes so good. Totally, dude. These, these animals. I know how they're made. It is. I will say this. Jennifer and I have You tell this. me. You we, give me another taste like bacon? Oh, dude. I don't give a shit what they do with those pigs. I will say this, though. <laughs> dude, Matt, Mackenzie... Mackenzie, what do they call it when you're like a vegetarian who just like, but you eat fish? Do you a know what vegetarian? That, that's what it is. Yes, yes. I just made I, that I, up. I, I, I just, <laughs> a vegetarian. I've I've heard that before. And you just grab that one. Is. You just grab that name. You're like, I've heard this before. I think this is it. No, I've I've I think heard, that I've is heard, it. Pescat- I've heard that before. So I just is I'm it. It, it sounds like a. It sounds like a religious denomination. <laughs> it's it's Episcopal, Episcopalian, oh, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, <laughs> Pesci shrimp or fish. Oh, I will eat fish. Pescatarian. I think that's slowly where she's going, you know. And I think that for her, it really is just about because she's a mana. No, I think it's because she's, you know, she's really trying to clean up her diet, you know, Um, which I commend her for. I'm like, that's awesome because it is really hard. I mean, anybody who's ever done any kind of a diet knows how effing difficult it can be to stick to it, you know. Um, We're we're probably the like our generation's the one that's gonna like late because we're we're still getting older but like gonna, i think we're gonna suffer the most because of the diet we, we suffer the most in dietary things because of all the shit we were exposed to growing up oh like, no i have no doubt like whether it's the the sugars, the nanoxyl red nine, whatever. Dude, I think it's honestly like, all you got to do is look at the numbers. I mean, look at 
look at the number of people, look at the number of, of obese people in America today. And I would probably say the, I mean, although I will say, you know, they talk about a larger number of kids are overweight today than ever before. Um, Just feed them less. Well, I think that has, I, well, I think a lot, it, it, it's a number of things. I mean, I, portion size is a huge. Issue. Well, that's a huge thing. I think it's also lack of activity. You know, you have now, you have a generation, you have the past 20 years. Wally's going to happen. Dude, the past 20 years, we've raised an entire generation of video game people. You know, like these kids who just like sit at home and play video games and watch TV and like they don't go out. They don't, you know, engage nature. You know, they're not out like enjoying themselves outside i mean the weather's getting the what do the past couple days i don't think it's the video games because look we we grew up we're the nintendo gener the atari nintendo generation right so we were there like think of all the things that we've grown up with video games being the one of the biggest things yeah and then uh you know in the 90s the advent of the internet right right uh I don't I don't necessarily like you know we were still going outside and playing and and being active um you know socially yeah and now it's it's just a different way yes I mean that's why like it, like okay I know my kid my 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 uh what's the word I'm looking for um I'm settling for my kids to like all right well like they're going to go on a camping trip this weekend right you know what I mean yeah go camping Okay, great. Like, all right, play video games, but they know how to survive in the wilderness. Well, but I will say, and they dude, got summer camp. But you have done, you and April have done a great job with regard to that. You really have. Yeah. No, you guys have. I mean, dude, get <laughs> it doesn't kids, seem like it is, dude. For get, us. Uh, dude, getting your kids involved in stuff like the Boy Scouts and getting them familiar with being able to get outdoors and handle themselves and those types of things are. are hugely important you know i mean there are so many kids in this country who dude you know there are so many kids in this country that are latchkey kids you know mom and dad work they come home from work or you know mom and dad work the kids come home from school school you know mom and dad aren't even home until six seven o'clock at night you know they they do something for dinner god knows what you know, the kids go to bed. They're lucky if they see their parents for an hour. You know, I mean, that's just reality, man. You know? Yeah. And, and my, it's funny you said latchkey kid, but like, well, one, we know that every parent does the best that they know how to do for the situation that they're in. Right. So let's start off I, by saying that. Uh, that's saying I mean, a lot, dude. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm going by the percentages, not by you like I think there's a lot of lazy parents out there. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of parents out there that expect somebody else to do it. You know, there's a lot of parents out there that look at the public school system and expect that the public schools are going to, you know, infuse their children with values and and understanding right from wrong and all of that other stuff. It's like private it's, schools do that, but uh, not Yeah, it's like dude, it's public education, man. This is not their job. Their job is not to like teach your kids values. That's your job. 
you know, but they figure, well, I may, I pay my taxes. I pay taxes. That's what they're supposed to do your job. It's like, uh, their job is to educate our kids. You know, their job is to teach our kids the ABCs and the one, two, threes, you know, not to, you know, not to somehow fill our, you know, the kids heads with all of these ideas about what's right and what's wrong and, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. That's my opinion. Again, um, I just, I think there's, and maybe you're right. Maybe that's not the majority of parents out there. Maybe the majority of parents really do try their hardest or whatever. Uh, I will say this. I will say that, you know, Jennifer and I, and I'm sure you guys can, you know, you guys can identify with this. I mean, dude, Jennifer and I for 20 plus years, uh, you know, spent almost the vast majority of that time as a one income family. Yeah. And, you know, in doing that, we chose, we made the conscious choice that we were going to go without certain things, you know, because we just couldn't have them. Because if we wanted to have our kids at home, if we wanted to have, you know, the kind of family where, you know, if the kids ended up in the nurse's office, that they could call mom and mom could come and get them and bring them home and, You know, it wasn't like you were having to, you know, call mom and dad at work, you know, that type of thing. I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't want that kind of of a a family dynamic for our kids. Um, But it's about what, you know, in my mind, it's about what's important to you. And if you're, you know, if you're if you're all about keeping up with the Joneses, you know, and worrying about, oh, man, you know, they have this. Why don't I have that? I need to get that, too. Like. If that's what you're obsessed with, well, then, you know, you, 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 you know, you live with the ramifications of that. And that means that, you know, you're going to, you're devoting, you you know, you're devoting the majority of your time to, uh, you know, to toil instead of slack. Toil. <laughs> in, yeah, the, I... in the words of the Church of the Subgenius, be, you got to be more like Bob Dobbs, man. Bob. More slack, less toil. Bob Dobbs. Bob Dobbs. Church of the Subgenius. Look it up, people. <laughs> Man, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what I was going to talk about. <laughs> think, your your mind is your mind is swimming and what is it? Your mind is your mind is is what is it? Treading in a sea of of retarded sexuality. <laughs> Well, no, because like it's it's one of those things where it's like, uh, this happened, and then it's like, oh yeah, that'd be good to ask. Like, what do you think about what's going? Oh, on? Oh, here's one and thing for you. Here's blah one thing blah for blah. You. Oh, dude, we talked about the Kentucky Derby. What about that shit? How okay? So I saw the, ba- the like him do the the Bob Baffert do the thing is like. Okay, so yeah, give, I, give 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 the audience a little bit of a back a back the back. So, back. so the 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 horse of the Kentucky Derby, which we lauded a week ago, yes, uh, they they give blood samples and an anti-inflammatory was given was apparently like point zero zero one. It was a stupid number. Was found like traces. So excuse me. So it's like. Now it may be null and void, and then they can't participate in the Preakness. And Bob Baffert does the, you know, the standard. He was, he, he was the trainer. He was the he trainer. He was the trainer. 
and he's like, "This is ridiculous. It's an outrage." It, uh, man, this is a huge fucking deal, man. I mean, especially when you hear him talking about like the way that these, te- like the way that this testing is done, or not necessarily the way that the testing is done, but when you hear him talking about the level of scrutiny that these animals are are subjected to. I mean, the, the way that he described it is like, I mean, and, I, and I'm not saying the horse didn't do this. I'm just saying that if the testing is that minute, I'm surprised that any of these fucking animals don't pop for something. I mean, he's talking about how, you know, he's talking about how basically, you know, they find... You know, they find this, you know, this little bit of this anti-inflammatory that supposedly this horse was, you know, you know, exposed to or whatever. He's like, that amount is like a grain of salt in an Olympic sized swimming pool. You know, it's it just it. it but it's lo- there. <laughs> well, and that's but and that was his point. He was like, you know, after because they don't test the animals till after the race is over. Right. So do you think that point that little grain of salt in in the bloodstream of that animal help, like helped them in the race? But his point but his point was how do you even know that whatever this horse was subject whatever was in the horse's system, how do you know that it was even there before the race? You know, like because that after the race is over, this animal is being handled by so many people. You know, there's so many. It, it, this horse just won the Kentucky Derby. I mean, there are so many people who had their it could hands have been, all. It, it could have been somebody. I, it, dude, this is completely like conspiracy. I know theory. this is conspiracy. Yes, go there. No, but like, yes, like let's Tin say foil hat on. Yeah, let's say like uh, that. I have, I, I had a sore, like right before I was jumping up and down and uh, I pulled a muscle if I was in the staff and I'm, I'm supposed to handle the horse and I put icy hot on my fucking, uh, you know, my hamstring. And then I touched the horse and it, because it's sweating and it pours or it absorbed the icy hot, yes. which is an anti-inflammatory. Yes. And you have no idea. I mean, and I'm not, and that's not even, I mean, what, what you just described as a conspiracy theory is not even conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory is what if, <laughs> what if whoever was responsible for the training of the second place horse, you know, basically said, basically had, the, had a plan. Okay. Are you wearing the tinfoil hat? Yeah, was it on? Yep. Strap it on tight. What if the what if the what if the what if the the staff or the train responsible for the training of the second place horse basically knew of a way to be able to by simply touching handling this animal in some way could get their hands on the first place winner of the race, and purely by you know having something on their hands could touch the horse, get something into the horse's system, knowing that they would be conducting these tests afterward and their win would be invalidated. And now your horse won. 
I mean, if anybody out there, and I'm, I'm just putting, again, we're talking, we're in tinfoil hat land. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Dude, if you don't think, think about the money that is involved in a freaking, in an event like the Kentucky Derby. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, not especially billions, stud- of, perhaps billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, no, that's Stud-fees. what I'm forgetting. And, yes, and, but even more so, uh, remember, he broke a record, right? Yes, Baffert broke, broke a record on, on that win, dude. That's this is what I'm talking about, yeah, you know, uh, and, and, and things like this go on in professional sports, they do. I mean. It's great. Dude, exactly. I mean, that wasn't a conspiracy. That wasn't a conspiracy thing. But I mean, dude, you know, all the stuff that goes on with, you know, when you're talking about billions of dollars being at stake, you know, my and uh, even in like Lance Armstrong, like, you know, he threatened his teammates and whatever to keep everything under wrap. But at the same time, everyone was doing it right. It goes back to like baseball. Yeah, Mark no, McGuire and Sammy Sosa yep. saved baseball. Now, by purifying anything, it, what's that? By purifying it. Well, no, by their drug use, right? But here's the deal: for me, anything before 1998, if they whatever they did before 19, should not even count as far as drugs wise because they didn't test. Right. They, they had people ask them like volunteer. Just they like the major league baseball did it to say, well, let's see how many people really are doing this stuff. But you know, they're they're not going to get in trouble for it, right? And so then when the shit hit the fan, then they went back to those testing those those test results. Of like, yeah, here's the list of everyone was doing fucking something that was illegal, right? Right. Like that's illegal past 1998, but prior to that, it wasn't. And even like Mike Schmidt, who played in the 70s and the 80s, like, yeah, we did Finnegan all the time. Like, right. Yeah. Speed. Yep. Because we were playing all these games and stuff. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. He admitted it. Yeah. And they didn't like, oh, well, it wasn't really tested. But okay. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you have all these guys that testify. Yeah. They, most of them lied. And that's why they're in the position that they're in. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, if it wasn't illegal, then it shouldn't count. Right? Yeah. 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 Because things change, you know, what think about, about the- all the illegal hits that people, you know, did Jack Lambert. Let's just talk like Jack Lambert, fucking dirty ass, like Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker, yeah. meaner than you know what, or, yeah. you know, you can go to Deacon Jones. Like, all those old-school guys that would fucking just punch people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, No, it's true. It wasn't against the rules, or it wasn't against the rules then. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if you're a dirty player then, and then now, it's like, oh, well, now you can't get in the Hall of Fame because you were a dirty player. Right. Even though you have the most tackles. And well, you can say I mean- same thing it's, about it, Pete it, it, Rose. As a player, he should be in the Hall what's of your Fame. Take, what's your take on I don't think you and I never talked about this. What's your take on, on Pete Rose? As a player, he should be in the Hall of Fame. As a manager, he should be, you know, should never get in. Because that's when he, he bet on, on, on baseball when he was a manager, not right. while he was a player. Yeah. 
and all his records are from when he was a player, obviously. So yeah, right, yeah. That's I mean that's honestly that's one thing to me that has just been fucking I don't know, the baseball thing to me drives me crazy. And it, and it really, in all honesty, it's one of the things that makes it so hard for me to completely invest myself in it. Well, and then, you know, the, the unwritten rules of baseball, you know, hitting pitchers. All right, now, if I'm the next pitcher on the other team, because he hit their pitcher hit our guy, I got to hit their guy. Right, yeah. Or the, the cheating. Uh, like the whole, the whole freaking, well, these are unwritten rules. These are the unwritten rules of the game, and all that kind of garbage, dude. I'm gonna tell you something, and I think it's I think it's the truth. You could you could probably look up the statistics, but I'll tell you that I think it's all that kind of garbage that has made the game of baseball less popular in America. I really do. I don't think it's as popular today as it was 20, 30 years ago. I think that yeah. I think that the, the dude the money involved, you know, as as a fan. When you see the freaking money that these people make, and you know, and and the you know, how much it costs to just get a ticket to go to see a game, dude, going to get a ticket to see a game at Fenway is freaking ridiculous. So, here, so I, I want I want to go to a Norfolk Tides game, right? Single A baseball. Yep. When. Somebody who's playing for the Durham Bulls, Durham, North Carolina Bulls, yes, um, is going to come play us, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy's the number one prospect in baseball. So I'm like, oh, I want to see him play before he makes it in the big big leagues, right? Right. Um, on average, the tickets are 50 bucks. Yeah. For a single-A baseball team. Single-A baseball, dude. Now, I was like, and that's that's on their website. That that's yep. not scout. Nope. And I think it's just because they raised the price because they knew he's coming into town. But he's about to go up to the major leagues like after the All Star game. So it's like I, I honestly I want to catch him before he does that. Like, you know what I mean? And and I've paid twelve dollars for a ticket before. Yeah. And now it's like fifty five. I'm like, God dang it! Oh, dude, I'll. I re- when I was living and in I'll Boston, probably fucking play it because I pay it because I want to see the dude play, dude. When I was living in, okay, this was nineteen. This was my freshman year in college, uh, maybe my sophomore year in college, and so we're talking nineteen ninety three, ninety four. Okay, so uh, ninety three, and I, dude, I remember this is back when. For folks who in the audience out there can remember this, this is when there were actually bleachers at Fenway Park. Okay. When there weren't seats on top of the Green Monster. Like the Green Monster was just this thing that lived out there. Okay. You didn't get to go like buy special seats. You could sit on it. Okay. But the right center field, right field was all bleachers. Dude, you could get a bleacher seat. Okay, at Fenway for seven bucks. Fenway Park, motherfucker, for seven dollars. You could go watch a game and sit in the bleachers. It was ridiculous, dude. You know, and I will say that's where you want to see die hard freaking back then. If you wanted to see die hard freaking Red Sox fans, 
go to the bleachers. Go to the bleachers and see what happens when the back then. See what happens when the Sox are playing the Yankees and some asshole out in the bleachers starts cheering on the freaking Yankees. <laughs> that's where well, you see and, where the and, real fans and that's, are, and that's why uh, I've never tried to get tickets to a, a Redskins game because that's close to where we live. Uh, when they play the Cowboys, oh, dude, you don't want to do that. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I mean, aside from the fact that they're a terrible team and they're still probably charging some ungodly amount of money. Well, no, I, well, to what me, are they charging for a the, Redskins game? God only knows. I don't know. Probably not that much, but uh, you'd be surprised. But dude, that's one of those teams. Are against, you still... But playing against Cowboys and me and my kids show up in the Cowboys. No, still... nope. Don't even subject yourself to it. Don't even. It's just sad. No, I know, but it is what it is, dude. That's like me. That's like being a Patriots fan and going to freaking MetLife. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna be a Petri- You're gonna be a Patriots fan and go to MetLife and sit around a bunch of Jets fans and watch that game. I don't think so. Uh uh-uh. uh. And that's not because I don't have any. That's not because I'm not brave. It's because I'm not stupid. Because I know what goes on there. You know. Oh, and, uh, I got it. I got. Remember what it was. You ready? And it's 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 kind of been everywhere the last couple of days. So and it's because I, I went to school in Missouri, college in Missouri, and I know exactly the where Mizzou. They're, the I Mizzou. know exactly where they're at, but in Osage Beach. Mm. Um, which is near Fort Leonard Wood, where there's an army base. These 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 soldiers go to this bar and the bartender there's 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 multiple layers to this. The bartender looks at the dude's ID and is like, this isn't a real ID. This is fake. And they're like, no, it's my government ID. Yeah. And every single person with them pull out theirs. Like, look, it's real. Like, he's like, no, this isn't real. He's, and it's either the dude was drunk or high. I don't even know. And he ends up like, you can come back when you have a real ID and folds it in half. No fucking. Yep. <laughs> oh and the my dude's like, God. "What are you doing? Like, dude, that's my ID." Like, and there, you know, of course, it's everything. Any kind of escalation always gets recorded, right? Um, and you know, the guy's like, "It's peeling." Okay, Jimbo, does does your does your government ID peel at all? No. Yeah, it does. Mine doesn't. Not. I don't no, know. Not... I've never folded it in half before. <laughs> no, but but like the laminate on it. Yeah. No, from sticking in the cat cards from sticking yep. it in. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it gets worn and, down. And that's what the guy saw. He's like, no, this is fake. And he started like picking at. He's like, please don't do. You know, they were kind of being nice. And then they, you know, then once he did that, it turned dicky, right? Yeah. And then he was gonna call. Then he called the cops. The kid he, did. No, the bartender, like, I'm calling the cops and you guys, because he kept on telling them to leave. Well, it turns out <laughs> the dude behind the bar wasn't even a, an employee. What? He, his, the band that they played in had just played there, and then they let him behind the bar, and they let the, own, the, the owner or the manager let him do all that shit. <laughs> so, uh, not only did that go viral, uh... he ended up, like, getting kicked out of the band like we don't support this you know no. this isn't us. <laughs> and and then 
the bar is like, yeah, he's not even a bar like bartender. But now the bar is going to lose their liquor license. Not even a real somebody... bartender. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a tragedy! Fucking like, Captain Ed, but he's dude, not even a real captain. I, but the video is is pretty. Like, I was getting pissed watching. Was oh, there a video of this? Oh yeah, oh yeah, of the whole thing, dude. It's everywhere. Oh my god, dude! I cannot even fucking imagine what I would have done if somebody had done that to me. I'm serious. Like, if I had gone into a situation like that and some motherfucker hand, like manhandled my government ID like that when I was active duty, I probably would have thumped him in the fucking chest. See, I would have been like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you don't do that to me. Dude, and he started <laughs> questioning about... I, he, he was like, I've seen... My buddies have served in Afghanistan. I know what a new... I, I knew what I, he started doing all that. Uh, oh, like, fuck that noise. Nope. Nope. Oh man! Yeah, dude, it was uh, insane. Like, well, so destruction my, of government property. Oh yeah. Well, dude, I, I would. I'd be hey, like, you know what? The, why'd you the, Why'd you jump over? Why did you and your buddies jump over the bar and beat the shit out of this guy? Destruction of government property. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's dude. The internet has ways, right? So then, like, all right, people on Twitter. Like, oh, yeah, this guy has a warrant out for his arrest. So, you know, now that we know his oh, name, where Jesus. he was at. Oh, Jesus, are you serious? What band? Yeah, like, he had a warrant out for his arrest. Oh, my he, God. To include, you know, technically they could charge him for destruction of government property. What? Like, what, what? What is, and I'm just going to ask you, dude. Like, I don't understand this whole thing with people having warrants out for their arrest. Okay, and, and somehow, when they do have these active warrants, they continue to conduct themselves. <laughs> they they condone themselves. Uh, Seriously, uh, dude, it is oh, fucking ridiculous. I'm like, right. you are you as, telling as me my the, buddy as my buddy Forrest comes to say, stupid is and stupid does. Dude, it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. I'm like, it's not that you know goddamn well you have a warrant out for you. Hey, okay. Being good is a choice. Oh my god. It's crazy <laughs> to me. It's great. Uh, like, dude, you do like I look at these people and I think to myself, like, you do realize how warrants are issued because you had a court date, yeah. dude. You were arrested for this thing. So you didn't do this. So maybe you shouldn't speed. That's what I'm saying. Or do I'm, something that like, would. You, you did this thing. You got arrested. They let you out. You had a court date. You blew it off because that's how this happens. You got busted for something. They, you posted bail. And they said, okay, well, your court date is on this day. You got to come back and answer for this thing. And you were like, fuck you. I'm not going. And you just, you know, you just didn't go. And when you don't come back for your court date, they're like, well, fuck it. Issue a warrant. You know, we let him out of jail, posted bail, bring him back. And now that you're like, you see, so you missed your court date. And now you're just like, like, I'm going to forget. And I'm going to be a fucking asshole on freaking, you know, people on YouTube. And, you know, it's going to get posted all over the internet or whatever the fuck. And I'm like, what? Like if you if you were literally going to just skip your court date, don't you think that you'd be like trying to lead the cleanest, like most under the fucking radar existence ever? You know what I'm saying? That's what I'd be doing. I'd be like, I'm gonna freaking, I'll be a, like a, a freaking altar boy now. <laughs> you know, just I'm, like, I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to like, I'm I know the, No shit. All right, like they're looking for me. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god, it's crazy to me. But these people are just like, what? What's the big fucking deal? Or they're like, we have a warrant out for your wrist. What? What do you mean? I'm like, 
don't fucking play that game, dude. Don't play that game like somehow you don't know that they're And then it's like, out. all right, you got me. Instead of like, <laughs> nope, bye. I'm leaving. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Exactly. These people are not just like, oh, okay. You busted. They're like, man, fuck you. Like, now they're going to run. <laughs> I do. I, I will say this. I do miss those shows, man. Those freaking cop shows on TV with the whole, like, with this whole bad crazy boys, thing. Bad boys. Dude, over the past do? year, they got rid of all those shows. And I, it's bullshit. Those shows are fucking entertaining, dude. Mm. Freaking cops. And what was that other one? It was uh, where they're rolling live. What you remember what the name of that show was? They got different, different police well, departments. Cops was the original one. No, I know. But oh, it was. Uh... What like whatever the city is nine one one or something like that? Uh, maybe that's what it was. But it's like basically they, like every episode they're like tracking like three different police departments around the country and rolling live with them as they're no. going around the country and like the cops are responding to these calls and everything. Dude, that shit is just entertaining because when you see the people that these police officers come into contact with on a day to day basis, I'm just like. God bless you. You know, one of my, <laughs> one of my high you. school, yeah, one of my high school friends, uh, just completed twenty years of service in Ugh. in the blue, right? Um, and you know, I said, hey, thanks for your support in the community and all this other stuff, but like, you know, uh, twenty years just being a cop and what you're just talking about, like whatever you, all this, th- all the things that people deal with, I mean. You know, any there's not one public service job, in my opinion, that's easy. Nope. Because you're always having to deal with something. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, like, man. I re- like I've had a friend that retired, and he was like he was he was a uh, uh, emergency uh, like a nine one one person for the yeah. state of Tennessee. Man, he's like it sucked. No, I bet because you have. He's like you have. He's like, dude, you have no idea how many calls that we get. And he was on the state level. Yeah. Not just like so for like the state police responding to stuff on the highways. Yeah. He wasn't even in the city. And he's like, dude, yeah, it's pretty amazing what the kind of calls we get that we have to send people out. So, yeah, I believe every word of it, dude. It is crazy. I mean, and I have I mean, dude, you and I both have friends like you just said. I mean. You and I both have friends. It's kind of interesting how when you're coming from a vantage point of service, how you know other people who are in the military. It's kind of like a lot of folks make a natural transition from military service to like the police or whatever. Um, But how it's sort of, I don't know, it's a subculture, you know, a subculture of service. Uh, But dude, you talk to these guys, man. And, like, the stuff that they freaking see and deal with on a day-to-day basis, I'm just like, oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I I remember talking to this dude one time. I was in Cleveland. And we were doing, there was a big, you know, a, a, a policeman's tattoo in Cleveland. So there's all these pipe and drum groups because all these police departments from all over, like, New York and Ohio, Chicago, New Jersey, all these places, all these police departments have a a traditional police pipe and drum group. So the bagpipes and whatever, and they all get together and they do this big show. And we went up there. I was at Quantico 
and they have this big after party and we're there and we're hanging out with all these guys. And I'm talking to this dude and he's, he's a police officer in Cleveland. And he says to me, he's like, well, I mean, what we deal with on a day-to-day basis, man, is not that different than what you guys deal with when you're overseas. And I, and I, I was kind of like, how do you mean? He's like, we're dealing, we're in combat. You know, he's like, I, I, I work my, I work my beat. No, I work my part of the city. I know who the good guys are. I know who the bad guys are. I know that so much of what's going on with these guys who are breaking the law. I know that so much of what they're doing is all about street cred. And I don't even need to do anything physically to them. All I need to do is call them a bitch in front of all the people in the neighborhood and I've destroyed their street cred. Mm. You know, he's like, but I'm engaging people every day. I'm engaging people on a level that is comparable to combat. You know, I mean, that's what's happening. You're talking about an armed, you know, an an armed, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, You know, populace. I'm dealing with an armed populace. I'm armed. These people that I'm engaging on a day-to-day basis are armed. You know, and it's my job to go out there and, you know, enforce the law and protect people. And that means that, you know, I mean, you got to go out there with some big balls, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the way, the way that I remember him saying that to me and I was like, God dang, dude, what a freaking job to be doing every day, man. You know, every day, get in your car, go out there and engage these dudes who really at the end of the day, don't give a flying fuck about anything. The, all they care about is their reputation. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all they care about. They All they care about is what people think of them. You know? And they've got to be the biggest freaking, you know, the biggest gangbanger on the block. They've got to be able to intimidate people more than anybody else in the neighborhood. That's all they care about. You know? And it's like, well, how do you deal with a guy like that? The only way you can deal... Oh, way... You're talking about the gangs and not the cops, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know what I'm saying. It's like, Dude, it's like what's the, the only way that you can the only way that you can engage that that individual un, that that individual understands nothing but force. Period. That's all they understand. Everything in there, everything about them is about force. You know, so if you're going to engage this individual, you better be prepared to come at them super hard. You know, come down on them like a ton of effing bricks. Because if you're not, then they're just like, pussy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But, I mean, that's the world that these, these like you say, these, these guys in blue, that's what they're living in every day. It's freaking nuts. It's nuts. But it is New Music Monday. New Music Monday. Shit, I almost forgot what I had. I actually, I will tell you what I have. Uh, and it's not new, as usual. You know, I know I've got a trend. Um, but, dude, the other day, my daughter sent, uh, my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, sends us this video. And it, I don't know if it was on Snapchat or something like that, Instagram. 
she sends us this video of her and my granddaughter and she's she's dancing with her but she's dancing to the tune the rhythm of the heat by peter gabriel oh. dude and it was funny to watch you know because she's sort of holding her up and sort of you know whatever with her but dude i'm listening if you have never people in the audience if you have never listened to peter gabriel for security if you have never listened to that album do yourself a favor enlighten yourself listen to it it is the 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 single release off of the album was shock the monkey most folks know that tune monkey 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 don't you know you gotta shock the monkey yeah dude that was the big single off this album but dude this album security from top to bottom is ironclad dude it is unreal like I feel like it is it is Peter Gabriel's first true like delving into world music. Huh. I mean when you get like Rhythm of the Heat, uh there's a couple other tunes that are on the album where he's utilizing, you know, uh, you know, percussion and stuff like that. Uh San Jacinto is on this album in my mind probably the greatest song on the album San Jacinto. It, to me, it was, you know, Gabriel had left Genesis a number of years before. These first few albums uh, leading up to Security, and obviously after Security, you had So and all that stuff. But this really was the culmination of everything that he intended in leaving Genesis. You know, that it that he wanted nothing to do with commercial pop oriented music that he wanted to create art you know um it is just like i say folks out there i'm gonna i'll post some stuff on on our page i i strongly encourage you to check some of it out man it is some heavy music and the players are just unbelievable the writing is absolutely amazing absolutely amazing peter gabriel for security so what I do you might, got? Uh, I think I'm going to have, we're going to watch, or we're going to listen to that on the way to Boy Scouts tonight. We'll, we'll see. Dude, you should, dude, Rhythm of the Heat. Either that or listen to San Jacinto. I'll put it up. Uh, so mine is the new Weezer album. Oh, what? I didn't even. I know. Neither did I. And you know what caught my eye was the album art. Really? It's, it's called Van Weezer. Oh, I think I did hear about this. Yep. Um, uh, you know, people know Weezer from like Buddy Holly, Sane and So, uh, Hashpipe, Undone, Beverly Hills, yep. Island in the Sun. Like you can just go on and on. Um, and I actually, when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, did they just do an album where they're doing Van Morrison tunes? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they're calling it Van. Right, Weezer. right, right. Exactly. Holy crap! Like, yeah. let's do this. Um, but there was one song that I'd, I'd already heard several times on the on the radio or just pop up uh, called Hero. But if there were a band that has just stuck with what they do, uh, it's Weezer. Like they yeah. haven't they haven't really changed their sound very much since the Blue Album, like or Weezer Weezer. Um, they didn't start naming the albums till later, 
but there are some things too, and it kind of it it's kind of like they're running into what I would call like Eminem, uh, where like there's teenage things that they're talking about, and they're too old, dude. They can't. You can't <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I know. You can't you can't you can't sing about teenage angst anymore. Even even when they were in their twenties, they couldn't. I mean they shouldn't have, but you know, it kind of worked because I knew what they were talking about because I was in college, but um but yeah, it, it's it's getting weird where we're growing up with those with those bands and uh they're still talking about the same shit they were talking about in the nineties. Man, you know, I think that that is you know, you you touch on something there, man. You know, I think that one of the things that is sort of, uh, how do you put this? It's, it's, uh, in the words, in, in, I can't believe I'm going to reference uh, Captain Ed again in this episode. But in the words of Captain Ed, the entire rock and roll mythos is a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. It's like, it's like, this. it's like, the Easter bunny or the Sasquatch, you know, it's my, when I say that, what I'm saying is that these, these rock stars by and large, and don't get me wrong. Weezer's been around for a hot minute, you know? So I get it, you know, they're older now, whatever, but you know, so many of these people who are in rock and roll music, are in rock and roll music for years and years and years before they're ever sort of quote unquote found. Yeah. Uh, I I have a good Gary Clark Jr. story, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll tell you one of the bands that I think of. um, Oh, what is it? Freaking Everclear. Yep. And Everclear to me, one of the things that I've always loved about Everclear was their ability, I can't remember their their lead singer's name, but his ability to tap into that teenage kind of angst. And he was able to do that, but by the time Everclear ever even became a thing, he was already in like his late 30s, early 40s. You know, but you didn't think of him that way. You didn't think of him as, ah, he's an old fogey. It was, you just heard the music. You didn't know how yeah. old he was. Father of Mine is a perfect yes, example. Absolutely, dude. I mean, so many of those songs. Father of, of Mine. Dude, tell me where have you been? Again. No, I, I just closed my eyes. Yep. The whole world disappeared. Yeah. Dude, it's it, that that album. Again, that is it really in my mind. That is that album from top to bottom, Ironclad. It's an incredible album. Um, so much for the afterglow. That's the name of the album. And it's unreal, man. Every freaking song on that album is so good. Um, but again, you don't think about it like, oh, he's something, you know, whatever. How does so they're doing like a private concert would you, here in, in Virginia Beach, and I know people. Uh, would you go to it? I don't know if I would Who, go. Everclear? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd go. Sure. Why not? Like, the, thing I, the thing I really appreciate about them is much like Weezer, is and, and I, I I will disagree with you to a certain extent when it comes to Weezer. They have changed. They've grown a lot. I mean, when you listen to the Blue album and then you start listening to some of this other stuff that they've done through the years, they yeah. haven't they haven't been afraid to go to some places, man. 
it just know, seems it just seems like they they've gone back to the nineties. Well, and and maybe that's true. I mean, I think that I think that if there's anything with Weezer that hasn't changed, it's sort of um, content. You know, uh, but the writing and the production for sure has definitely evolved over the years. I mean, there's some of the stuff that they've done on some of these other albums. You're like, uh, and you compare the thing that I've always loved about the, about the blue album. The thing I loved about that was, well, it was like the world's greatest garage band. You know what I'm saying? It was, and yet it was like, there was a complexity to it that was awesome, but it wasn't contrived and it wasn't even remotely perfect. And that was the thing that made it so great was that it was like, here's a band that's just writing stuff from the heart and they're not worried about being perfect. Like, there's things you hear in it that you're just like, you know, whatever, something sounds, you know, in this moment sounds out of tune, but it resolves and it's great. Um, so I'm excited. That's a great, that's a great, I didn't even know that. I, I think I had heard something about that, but I'd forgotten about it. I so didn't want to say, a- I didn't want to say too much about the, um, uh, the album art, but w- look at it and tell me what you think about it. <laughs> like, I well, I just pulled it up. Van, I just pulled it up. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, it's a play. <laughs> you know, the the honestly, I don't know. It's like the the Van Weezer and then that lightning bolt thing through the middle of the the uh, cover in the font. Yep. Yeah, well, the font, yeah, I mean, the font is definitely freaking, you know, the the font is uh, is Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lightning bolts, you know, speaks of Freely's Comet. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's yeah. a name for you. <laughs> so I, I'm still on the fence. Like maybe yeah. me and April will go, but like I don't know. There's a meet and greet. And and it, and and part of it too is you're supposed to dress like in the '90s attire is required. I'm like, uh, okay, I I can wear jeans and a flannel shirt and fucking Doc Martens. That's basically <laughs> that's well. I mean, I still wear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, right? <laughs> this is what I I'm wore not in the '90s. I'm not scared. I'm like, what, 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 what? Don't you know what year it is? What, what? <laughs> It's okay. Uh, no, I'd go. Fuck it, man. Why not? You know, maybe they'll play some great freaking tunes. You know, well, they have to. It's 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 a it's a it's a benefit for. for Dude, what if they play only in dreams? That's a great freaking song off the first <laughs> album. You ask great that, they'll be like, "What? Okay, if we're gonna play this, you're gonna come up here and sing it with us." Because if anybody knows that fucking song, they're a fan. <laughs> yeah. Right. No shit. Right. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great tune, man. If they play that, you're freaking psyched. Yeah, yeah. So for the folks who are out there checking out the show, thanks again for tuning in. You know, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, Thursday is going to be YouTube Thursday. We're going to see what ridiculous things we can find out on the internet, and uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about them and uh, maybe throw some things out there and see what folks have to say. Uh, so I hope everyone had an outstanding Mother's Day. Hope everyone had a great, safe weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, so next month, it's our turn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so as usual, tell your family, tell your friends, and we'll be seeing you guys on Thursday. All right, later. Later, man.